There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. We have a we have a podcast. It's uh yeah. Man, it's almost been a it, it's actually almost been a month, which is a sad thing. Yeah. Um we have few days shy. Uh, yeah, four days shy. Uh we, we have some <laughs> explaining to do, but we are back. We we haven't uh we haven't been just taking a break, sitting back, doing nothing. Um I am finally about ninety five percent back from being sick. I was sick for about uh about two, two and a half two. weeks. Uh nice. you'll notice you'll notice Pat isn't here today because somehow I spread uh, mm-hmm. My sickness through the computer waves to to Pat, and uh, yeah. you know he's well, sick. <laughs> only you guys are FaceTiming each other naked and kissing the, yeah. the camera on there. It's, it it's transfers all. Yeah, I mean you just you guys got to be a little bit safer. That's all. Just safe. Yeah, but hey, we're back. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, we we have a bunch of ducks games to get caught up on. Don't worry, we're not going to recap every single one, uh, including. The, the game that just concluded uh, a couple hours ago now, right? Um, yeah. Ducks, Ducks won 5-1 against the Vancouver Canucks. In, uh, I didn't catch most of the game, uh, but mm. I was the, the highlights confused me because the uh, the Canucks were wearing white jerseys at home. I think it has something yeah. to do yeah. with the Sedins. They were honoring, honoring the Sedins who just got their jerseys retired or something like that. But I got about halfway through the highlights before I realized it was a Canucks home <laughs> game. And it wasn't until yeah. Pedersen's goal came up and the horn came on that I realized, yeah, yeah this is uh, 
This is in Vancouver. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't even, I knew that they were already in Vancouver. It didn't really bother me or, or anything like that where it threw you off. It, it was, it threw you off that bad where you like, you had to notate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we, yeah. we have a we have a lot. We have a lot to get caught up on here. Uh the Ducks over the last ten games that we missed, technically eleven because of that uh, postponed game against the St. Louis Blues, they went five, three, and two. Not bad. Better than what we'd oh. seen for the Ducks uh a month ago when they when they weren't yeah. playing great. They're near the bottom they're still near the bottom uh, of the Western yeah. Conference, but playing above 500 and, and playing some pretty decent hockey along the way. Not too many blowout losses, really only one. And yeah. that was a game uh, a couple nights ago against the Flames where they lost 6 nothing. Uh Maybe it, it's a hard game to come off of, that game against the Blues where, where you know, Jay Bowmeister um, collapsed on the bench, and, and that's, you know, a lot of things that you, you got to deal with, especially as well, you know, that's at home, it's in your home barn. Uh, it, it's never easy to kind of go come back and bounce back from that. I don't want to say the six nothing loss was only because of that, but it is it is tough for players to bounce back after after something like that happens, especially to a guy like Jay Bowmeister. That much of this team, especially guys like Ryan Getzlaff, know on a personal level. So it's yeah. uh, it's a pretty tough experience for them to come back from that. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was I was in there uh, uh, chatting on uh, Discord with our uh, Patreon people, and uh, at the end of the the game, I pretty much just said, I, "I'm pretty much chalking this one up as a I'm going to let you have this one. We're not normally that bad. We've been playing so well up into that. We've been playing well in the St. Louis game. You know, the the short amount of time that that game went on. So yeah, I, I feel like their their minds weren't quite in there, and they were making a lot of mistakes. And Calgary just played the night before, and they kind of Sometimes when you play the night before, you're still going. You're still got that rhythm going. And then when they jump out to a four nothing lead in the first, I mean the Ducks are kind of. It's tough to to get past that. I mean they they played decently okay <laughs> the rest of the way, but that first period was just uh, just too brutal to come back from. Yeah, and there's been games like that this season. But let's let's quickly recap, um, you know, all the games up until today's game, and then we'll go a bit more in depth and until in, into today's performance against Canucks. Uh, last, you know, all the games we've missed here. This is going to show you how long we've been away. Uh, the last game, dating all the way back to when the Ducks played San Jose back in in uh, late January, they lost four two. Went on to beat Arizona four two. Lost four three to Tampa Bay. Back-to-back wins, I think that was the first time since November they had back-to-back wins, beating uh, L.A. 3-1 and Ottawa 3-2. Continued the Eastern road trip with a 3-2 OT loss to Montreal and a 5-4 OT loss to Toronto, where Andre Kasha got hurt off a hit from Jake Muzzin, which is apparently Mm -hmm. the flu, but it doesn't seem like (laughs) it's the flu because Andre Kasha's missed the last four games, including tonight's game uh, against the Canucks. They went down to, to Buffalo, 1-3-2. Obviously, the Blues game we just talked about, it was 1-1, I believe, near the end of the first after that game got postponed. Now rescheduled for March 11th. Um, yeah. So that we've got at least a date uh, for when that game's going to come back. I believe the, the score is going to be the same, and they'll probably play it out where they play 20, they play 20, and then the no. second second 20 no, has the extra they're, seven. No, they're, they're actually... Last I heard from it and this was maybe a couple of days ago that the the way they're going to do it is the score is 1-1 and everyone's stats are still relevant but they're just going to play a full game so oh. it just starts off at 1-1 um and it's the first period 20 minutes and go but okay. everyone kind of keeps the same stats and kind of goes from there but adam henry gets that extra goal he's at 20 but technically 21 <laughs> 
Yeah. After, after I don't know. I mean, does that did they already count it? Like, is that already in his? I, I don't. Cause... I don't think so. I think because I I think I saw Elliot for a tweet about that earlier tonight. It might have been uh, Eric Stevens saying that that Henrik was actually at twenty, but not at twenty. So the goal, his nineteenth goal, which was technically his twentieth, <laughs> didn't count as his twentieth. So his twenty-first was his twentieth. I don't really know exactly how it works, yeah. but if it's, those it's stats weird. count, come across it. Yeah, if, <laughs> if 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 that game counts, he has twenty-one. If not, he has twenty. Yeah. I'm sure. I know for like sure. Him. I know for sure they're keeping the stats. So whatever stats were there, whatever ice time was logged, whatever plus minus, because they're saying that about um, Jay Bowmister. It's like even if he doesn't play, he'll still get credit as a plus one, and he played something like seven odd minutes or something like that in the, the game. You know, leading up to that point. Yeah, I mean, we we would hope he'd be back, but um, you, you don't really say. know. So I think he had um, he. He, he had, had a surgery, surgery. Had something, an yeah. implant put in for his heart. So, yeah, to get um, his uh, heartbeat back in a regular. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the timeline <laughs> for that, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, he's back playing hockey at some point, right? So, yeah, that's the goal. And then obviously, um, Ducks versus Flames. That was a couple nights ago. They lost six nothing, and then that brings us to tonight a little bit better. A, a rebound game in Vancouver. Uh, where the Ducks win five to one. Let's uh, let's go into this game a bit more. A couple different things stood out. Obviously, Adam Henrique doing what he's done kind of all season. Uh, mm-hmm. He he had two goals tonight, and uh, one of them was an own goal off <laughs> off, Tritori, Kinda, uh, yeah. off uh, Troy Stetcher uh, for the first yeah. goal of the game. Just I think he tried to center it back out front, and and Stetcher had the. Yeah. Made the mistake of, of kind of going down and, and putting a stick on the ice, and and you know you know Thatcher Demko wasn't happy to, to see that go off Stetcher's stick into the back of the net. Yeah, it goes right five hole through the goalie, and uh, yeah, he was actually trying to hit uh, Troy Terry on the uh, the back side of that, which also would have been a good play, but um, you know, yeah, just hockey got smiling a little bit there on uh, Henry because it was just a perfect deflection going in, and uh, the Ducks don't normally get those, so when they happen. It's uh, it's either the only time we're going to get it for a really, really long time or it's the start of something pretty good. Like, it's just going to be our game because those don't go in for us ever. So it was good. Glad Henrik's doing it. Another 20-goal season. I think he's got five now in his career. Yeah. So uh, model consistency, you know. Not he just keeps getting it done. He's a 20-goal, 20, 20 40- to 50-point guy every year. Like that's just what he what he's done, and and there's value in that, especially right now with the Ducks not having a ton of center depth behind Getzlaff and uh, and Henrique. It's, it's nice to see Henrique just kind of being like you said that model of consistency and getting things done, because the Ducks need it. Not not too many guys are scoring twenty this year. Uh, Henrique might not have a, a bunch of company when it comes to that. Uh, maybe maybe the, Grant. yeah, I was gonna say the, ne- the maybe the only guy who could catch him is, is the guy who got the second goal of the game for the Ducks, uh, Derek Grant. This is all set up by by Ryan Getzlaff though, uh, doing what uh, he does best, proving he's one of the best passers uh, to play the game still. Uh, that uh, no look behind, behind the back drop pass to to Derek Grant, who I don't think he was even ready for it because you see him receive it and he he has to fumble for a second to to get it onto his forehand and and get it past Demko, but. Uh, because of the way Getzlaff sold that, he had more than enough time. He puts in the back of the net, and he's got 14 on the year. Yeah, crazy, right? you know, speaking of, of guys who could have value <clears throat> come the trade deadline, his name has been thrown out there a bit. We saw Blake Coleman of the New Jersey Devils go to Tampa Bay for Nolan Foote in a first-round pick earlier tonight. 
Derek Grant's one of those guys who, because of the season he's having, maybe he doesn't get that much, but he could get a lot more than people expect. I mean, Coleman had 12 goals or 20 goals and 12 assists. You know, Derek Grant's kind of scratching just below that uh, for the type of, of commitment he can or type of uh, offense he can provide. And he plays on the penalty kill, and he plays uh, he plays on the power play, obviously with the power play goal tonight, and he wins faceoffs. Like this is a guy who could get a lot more value than I think Ducks fans expected to him to get. Uh, if he was going to get anything at all. Yeah, I, I think he'll fall under that uh, underrated around the rest of the league. Um, so they, they may not see all the extra little things that you're talking about, a good penalty killer, a good face-off guy. Yeah. Ultimately, anyone at the trade deadline is usually looking for either a name or someone that's really kind of putting up numbers. So um, if uh, another team is very savvy and they've, they've been watching and paying attention to what he can do, uh, they could probably see the value in it. Um I would just hesitate as Bob Murray to to make that trade because I feel like we've done Derek Grant dirty already so many yeah. times and it's just kind of like he's finally clicking he's on the the most consistent line that we have and he's been doing above and beyond what we anyone really expected him to do um and and now it's kind of like oh well uh, you know go play over here, you know, we, we got assets for you, that's all you were to us, that sort of deal. It just, I, I feel like that could maybe rub Derek Grant the wrong way. But then again, he goes and plays somewhere else, he always sucks, and then he comes back yeah. to us and seems to be you know, elite center number one. So He, he hasn't really got it done anywhere else. I mean, it, it's, no. he, he's had a few different stints. You know, Ottawa started his career there, went to Calgary for 15 games, Nashville for six, Buffalo for 40, and then Anaheim for pretty much the rest of it, and then obviously Pittsburgh for that brief Pittsburgh, stint. Yeah. Uh, where he ended up signing in, in with the Penguins and then came back to Anaheim in a trade. So it's, um, you know, 20 points now, 14 goals in 46 games for Derek Grant. There would be teams who will be interested in him. And and you think, you know, earlier today, uh, Andy Green went to the Islanders for a second-round pick and a prospect. Like, Andy Green's a sixth defenseman. He's 37 yeah. years old. Like, there, there's value, it seems, this year for these role players who can do a little bit more. You know, Derek Grant, if he goes out, and, and not saying I want to trade him, but if he, you can go out and, and you can get uh, you know, a second-round pick for him and a prospect, like you've got to do that. You can bring him back next year. You can bring him back in free agency. I think he's the UFA, right? So bring him back in, in free agency if you really want him back and, and get some value. If he's him. willing to come back, that's the other oh, thing. He, I don't know. You're telling me Derek Grant's not willing to come back? He can see the numbers. He knows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he feels comfortable in our system and obviously with the guys, but I know it just feels like if, if every time I sign something, management goes, all right, well, this guy's expendable and, you know, we don't have a whole lot of faith in uh, necessarily keeping him. He's, he's always an asset to get rid of. I mean, that could kind of like, you know, just, you know, like, okay, this team really doesn't want to keep me unless, you know, they're winning. And if not, you know, you know what have you done for me lately type deal kind of comes in. Yeah. So, I don't know, different. Different things for different people. Um, let's get to this next goal by, by Adam Henrique because I love the setup by Troy Terry. It's something mm-hmm. we haven't seen a ton on, on the Ducks power play, these cross-ice passes. And uh, Terry just sets it up perfectly for Adam Henrique. He, he, the amount of time that he had to put this puck in the back. Now, he could have taken another five seconds, and, and he probably still would have scored uh, because all Demko had in the in the entire net was just his stick. Half of his stick. stick. <laughs> and that was it. So... 
Um, great pass by, by Troy Terry. Nice to see him doing well, too. He's got five points as in, in the 11 games since returning from the AHL, which isn't great, but it's it's definitely better than what he was doing uh, you know, earlier in, in the beginning part of the season here. And nice to see him convert on the power play with the Ducks' most deadly weapon on their power play. Adam Henrique has six power play goals this year, so if you're going to try and get a guy like Troy Terry going on the power play, why not put him with a guy who's clearly been putting the puck in the back of the net uh, all season on the power play for the Ducks? Yeah, and that pass was great, and it really kind of fooled Demko because, uh, you know, Terry kind of initially looked like he may shoot it. He had it at a shooting spot, and then how close he passed it through. Uh, there was, uh, I didn't remember who was in front, but there was a, a Ducks player in front of the net, and Demko stops right at him thinking it's going to get deflected because it was that close to the guy's skate and then just went all the way to Henrique, and then Demko's like down and out, and that's the desperation with the, the stick and trying to get it. But, uh, you know, T- Terry's done better. He's definitely shooting more. He seems a little bit more focused in his attack. Uh, when he's trying to either shoot or make a pass, he, it's more direct versus, all right, I'm looking around and I'm going to lose it or I, I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go with it. So it is good to see him kind of make that step a little bit uh, a little bit up and then hopefully those goals and assists all start kind of falling in place. Yeah, and, and, and just like Cam, obviously it's Steele and, and Gooley who get the final two goals of this game. Those are also two guys who need to get things going. You know, Steele uh, you know, offensively needs to get things going, and you know, not necessarily uh, offense needs to get going for Brendan Gooley, but he needs to find some consistency. You know, this is a guy we expected to be up in the NHL all year, and he found himself uh, in San Diego for, for a significant stint Most there. And, yeah. and it is arguably he, he could only be up because Eric Branson's on the IR right now. So he's got to prove himself right now if he wants to stick around. He's got to show that you know he deserves to play over Jakob Larson, over Michael Delzato, and and I like you know his game since returning. Uh, he played in the Sabres game, uh, was uh, scratched for the game against St. Louis, and I believe he played in Calgary, and then obviously tonight getting the goal. So nice to see him uh, get on the board too. Uh, one thing I want to go to here before we look at some of the best performers over the last eleven games is just to look at the lines. Uh, the, the Ducks have seemed to find some consistency here, and, and, and you know, barring injury, we've seen some guys put together for, for long stints here. So uh, Richie, Henrik, and Terry have seemed to become a pretty good third-slash-second line for the Ducks. Like it, it, It's something that we really haven't seen split up at all. There's guys been in and out of the lineup. Obviously, Cash has been hurt here and there, and... Uh, you know, a couple guys have been, you know, Sherwood's been up and, and a few other guys have come up and gone back down. But that line seems to have stuck together so far. I mean, what, what do you think of that line so far and, and how they've been playing? I mean, they're doing good. And obviously it's, you know, the the, the highlight of it is, is how Henrique's doing. Uh, it's doing better because Terry's in there. And, you know, I've, I've been happy with what Richie's done kind of all season. He's done it on different lines, but you, you kind of know what you're getting from him. So what I like about it is that line is, is to a player is fairly consistent. You're like, we've talked about with Henrique being a consistent player, Richie, although you'd always wish is a little bit more offense and a little bit less of the penalties or stupid penalties. Uh, he is consistent. And then if Terry kind of just, continues on with what he's doing and he can be consistent too um and like i said it's it's good it's a starting point and uh, you know as they kind of maybe develop even more of that chemistry you might see things get a lot easier and then maybe some of those goals start going in for terry and even 
a little bit more for Richie, and then we got a really good second slash third line. Yeah, it would be nice to for Terry to find a home. I mean, the, those two guys, Richie and Henrik, we've seen together for a while and, and at stints last year and the year before that too, but it was Andre Kasha who was the guy who, who found a home with, with those two. But now it seems Troy Terry has found a spot there, and, and it was Jones, Steele, and Kasha up until the Toronto game where Andre Kasha got hurt that they were kind of forming some chemistry there. So you had three lines rolling. You had Getzlaff, uh, Raquel, and Silverberg. You had Jones, Steele, and Kasha. And then you had Richie, Henrik, and Terry. And, you know, if you had to, to roll in every night with that top nine, I'd be pretty happy with that. And, and if it meant yeah. that there was development for Jones and Steele, playing well with the, arguably the Ducks' best player this year, Jakob Silverberg, and it meant Troy Terry was going to get some time and, and playing with Adam Henrique, who's been one of the Ducks' best goal scorers this year. And if, if Troy Terry's going to kind of build on, on what's got him to, to this point so far, and that's his playmaking ability. You'd want to put him with a guy like Adam Henrique, who has over 20 goals this year. So hopefully we see this kind of continue. I'd like to see Andre Cash come back, and, and we get to see Jones, Steele, and Cash get put back together, and that means a promotion to the top line for, for Getzlaff and Raquel. Unfortunately, that probably means uh, Devin Shore finds his way back uh, into the press box for most of these games. But you, you really can't break up that fourth line either with with Grant Rowney and Delorier. Yeah, no, they're they're, you know, when we talk about uh, line consistency, I mean, there's nothing that's that's been more consistent than that line. I, I don't really recall a time it's been broken up, even bad times, good times. That line just rolls. Um, and then those guys, you know, get those, the power play, or sorry, not the power play, the penalty kill opportunities. And we're one of the top teams in shorthanded goals for. Um, so, you know, if the power play's not scoring, hey, if we can get the, sh- we can get the penalty kill guys uh, putting the, the puck in the net, let's do it. But that, that fourth line, I think, is built right. Rowney and um, Grant have some speed, have some talent, especially Grant at uh, finishing uh, on plays. Uh, but they all go hard. And Delorier, I even like as uh, the guy that's in there, uh, that will be your fighter when you need him. Um, we still have some guys that, you know, end up getting liberties taken. And this guy usually wins the fights he's in. And, you know, that's fine. But you've also got to be able to not draw your uh, your line mates down because you're slow. You don't know how to play. Or all you're doing is looking for fights and you're taking penalties. You don't take penalties. He goes in with the hits. He, he goes hard on his shift. And every now and again, he even chips in with a goal. He's got a good slap yep. shot as well. And when needed, he'll fight. So I, I think that whole line is just kind of really set up very well for us. He's got value. I mean, it's clear. And we'll get to it a bit later. But uh, the Ducks signing Nick Deloria to a two-year extension kind of made sense because we, we ripped on it when it happened in the offseason because not so much that it was a bad signing. It just made no sense. Like, it just didn't make sense yeah. for the Ducks to bring. I think you liked it more than, than me and Pat did. But I, um, Yeah, yeah we, we can get into it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that after. I want to kind of talk about the guys who, who've been leading the way for the Ducks. And no surprise, it's Adam Henrique, who has eight points in the last 11 games, which leads all Ducks players. Um, he, he's just kind of been on fire. That includes tonight as well. This is a guy who, like you said, is, is the definition of consistency this year for the Ducks. Um, needed to take a step forward after a bit of a disappointing year last year, even though he still kind of finished in the realm of what we expect from him. Uh, and Ricard Raquel with six points in his last 11 games. Uh, Andre Kasha has five in his last seven before getting hurt in the game against Toronto, which is, which is for me, is super disappointing because it felt like he was getting on a roll. 
and and you know to to not have been able to see him play in these last four games, especially get back on a line with Steele and Jones, where th- things were kind of working out for him. Well, I guess three yeah, games. three and three and a bit. <laughs> You're right? not going to see because he was technically scratched for that game. But yeah, yeah it, it would have been nice to to see him kind of involved in these last three and, and a bit games, just to see if if he could keep that play up because he was arguably the Ducks' second best player behind Adam Henrique before the injury or illness. Uh, that yeah. that's currently that he's currently suffering. I saw somebody in the chat earlier say the flu cushion is what uh, <laughs> what Andre Kasha like has that. right now. So <laughs> potentially that. But then uh, then there's Troy Terry kind of not bringing up the rear, but uh, being uh, impressive since his return. And as I mentioned earlier, it's five points in his last eleven games. So some some surprising names in Troy Terry to see up there, and, and some guys you kind of expect to be up there in Adam Henrique and, and Ricard Raquel. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, to touch on that the whole Kasha thing. Yeah, that's that's really weird that you know they would say, oh, it's it's the flu, and I'm just wondering if this is, hey, we don't want people to know he's got another concussion, which is what I was saying in the off season. Is just this dude's just this was no fault of his own. I can't believe there wasn't a penalty call. There wasn't uh, some sort of review on it. I mean, it was it was blatant hit to the head, uh, elbow coming through. So I I don't understand how that all got missed. Um, but, uh, yeah, then to just say, oh yeah, no, he came down with the, the flu of it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, like, just saying that. So I can't say it's not there? true because everybody <laughs> yeah. seems to have the flu right now. And there You've are a few say, teams for two and a half weeks. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm at the forefront of it, but there have been a few teams in the NHL have been ravaged by the flu lately. And, and as you know, I mean, the ducks had, what was it? The mumps? couple years ago yeah, where yeah, in, in any locker room uh if one guy gets sick the likelihood of the rest of them getting sick is, is exponentially higher uh so it could just be that andre cash has been just quarantined somewhere and they're just yeah. waiting this out so nobody else gets sick because we haven't seen anybody else get sick i know the only other player who's out right now is eric <sighs> branson and he's on the ir so yeah it's Did they say what what he was what he was out with? I, I, I feel I, like it's like a separated shoulder or some sort of ligament in his shoulder. Because let's uh, let's let's double check. I can't uh, can't exactly remember what they said. Because he got because they made a collision that he wasn't ready for, but it looked like it like hit him in the shoulder. <clears throat> he got out and kept skating, but then he went to the bench and after that, so it's kind of like something that's yeah. There, the, then he had his uh, his arm in a sling after. Yeah, that's gonna say the last so. report I saw was that. Uh, he went back home to be reevaluated. Upper body injury left the the game against Toronto, uh, and it was reported that he exited wearing a sling. So some shoulder or elbow or some type of injury. I, I would think shoulder too. So. Shoulder, because that's what he hit. Yeah, just wondering, like a knee, like you have a knee ligament. Sometimes you got you have to go in, get an MRI, take a look at it, and depending on how bad that tear is, they they go, no, just you have to rest. You sprained it really, really bad, or they go, yeah, it's kind of a tear. You need to have surgery. So, well, one see. guy who's who's taken advantage, um, I guess, of Good Branson being out of the lineup has been Michael Delzato. And over the last 11 games, he's, he's been impressive. I mean, he's been playing a lot of that time with Cam Fowler. And, you know, he's put up three points in those last 11 games, which isn't outstanding. But Michael Delzato really isn't the type of guy, at least at this point in his career, who puts up points for fun. 
Uh, but his his you know his puck possession stats are, are pretty good. He's just hovering around fifty percent. His expected goals for is among tops uh, in not just Ducks defensemen and Ducks players at fifty six percent. So he, he's doing things well. I mean he, he hasn't made too many mistakes. He seems to have kind of replaced Eric Branson as a reliable top four defenseman for the Ducks while he's out. Not maybe ideal to have two lefties or three lefties in the top four. But he's getting it done, and and you know whether that's upping his trade value for another team, another Stanley Cup team to come out and get him, and then not play him in the playoffs, then maybe that's the case. But uh, he he's at least playing well, and he'll be a serviceable option for the Ducks for the rest of the year, or he'll up his trade value, and the Ducks can get something more than what they got for him last year. I'm happy with trading him. Um, I. I, I I don't know. Every every time I seem to watch him, or whenever I notice him, it's usually a mistake. Like it's a turnover, or like he takes an an odd angle to the puck uh, in his own defensive zone. So uh, I don't know. It just feels like every every time I see him, I'm like, man, he's it's yeah. He's, he's just I don't know. I don't know if that's just me, or, but that's my eye test looking at him. I mean, obviously he's got good underlying numbers, but the eye test I see, I'm just like, all right, this is. We literally have anybody else in there making these same mistakes, so it's you know I don't see I don't see much of a, an up value. He's gonna he's gonna fill a roster spot until Gabrunson comes back, because Gabrunson and Fowler were playing amazing um, for the most part, you know, leading up until that injury. So is yeah, they have know, to go back. He's to better than Holzer, so we'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, but <laughs> I, and then one thing I got corrected on in the chat too is uh, it's actually three points in the last ten games for Delzato because he got scratched tonight for Gabinian Holzer. Whether that's uh, a birthday gift from uh, Dallas Aikens, belated birthday <laughs> gift to, to Kermit and Holzer to get into the game tonight, or it's a reaction to the 6 nothing loss to the Calgary Flames. Uh, not really on Michael Delzato personally. It's not his fault that they lost 6 nothing, but something has to change, and yeah. you're on a bottom-pairing yeah, you're, you're bottom guy, and, and you're going to get changed out every now and then. So not, not super uh, surprising there, but on the topic of trade talk, and, that, and that's going to be... You know, uh, huge. I think in the next couple podcasts we do because the trade deadline's coming up in, in what less than a week or just over a week now. I think it's Feb Feb twenty four. I think oh, okay. is is the trade deadline. I'm I'm probably so wrong Tuesday, on that. Is that a Tuesday? No. Uh, is that it usually Tuesday? I think so. I think it's Feb twenty four. Then it's the twenty so second. So tomorrow it'll be uh, it'll be a week away. So couple Tomorrow moves have already happened. We mentioned Blake Coleman earlier today. Uh, we, and who else got moved earlier today? There was there was somebody else, and I, I already mentioned it, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, Andy Green, right? Yeah, Andy Green got moved moved to the Islanders. But the big one, and, and this is a big one for me because I, I didn't call this. I just said Silverberg would be a big fit or a good fit for the Pittsburgh Penguins who are notorious for trading away not only first-round picks – but some of their top prospects to stay competitive. They're a good team this year. They're suffering from injuries. They need goal scoring. They're going to go out and get somebody. They're rumored to be in on guys like Ricard Raquel or Jeff Carter uh, or any pretty much anybody who could score goals that was available. Chris Kreider was another guy they were looking at. They end up getting Jason Zucker, and, the, and, and what they had to pay to get him was unbelievable. And, yeah. and to think that... You know, the reasons they apparently went out to get Jason Zucker, he's a good goal scorer, plays decent in his own end, is under contract for the next three years at 5.5, which isn't too bad. I think Minnesota yeah. ate some salary, or maybe they didn't. Oh, no, they didn't, but they took on Alex Gilchenyuk's salary, which kind of evened out. 
Mm-hmm. It felt like it was, you know, it was in a mold in the shape of Yak Silver that could just fit in there. And this is exactly what the Ducks needed. Another first-round pick, potentially late, who cares, in a stacked draft. A right-shot defense prospect who's among the top in the position of prospects on defense who had a great World Junior Championship for Canada. The, the Ducks have no right-shot depth at all. And then you bring in a guy like Alex Gilchenyuk who can just at least play, and mm-hmm. he doesn't exactly replace what you have in Jakob Silverberg, but he can play. Like you can put him into your top nine, and and he'll fit in, and he'll he'll at least be better than what the you know the, the Ducks currently have to put into that spot. And and he you're eating salary, which is what apparently Bob Murray said he wanted to do, and he was prepared to do was to bring in not bad contracts, but guys with that make a decent amount of money that teams want to get rid of to get good assets in return. And and I'm not saying that maybe he wasn't involved or that, you know, it could be very well that Pittsburgh said, no, we'd rather have Jason Zucker. You know, we, we don't really know. It just feels like a deal the Ducks easily could have been in on and, and Silverberg could easily replace Jason Zucker and arguably be a better player and a better option for Pittsburgh. And, and it just, it's hard not to feel like the Ducks missed out on this. Well, what is uh, Zucker's, um, you know, past few seasons? Because I, I feel that that's something that uh, Pittsburgh was maybe really going after, the fact that he's consistently been able to score. He's still young, and he's got a nice contract for a little while. Or Silverberg, although we see it and we can kind of see that he's had, you know, that scoring ability and he's done very well this year, um, you know, he's he's very hard to break through to 20 goals season in, season out prior so he has always looked at as a good defensive two-way guy but if pittsburgh was like well we need goal scoring this zucker guy is is consistent or you know silverberg's having a good season this season on a bad team so they they may have just gone like well let's go with what we know we've seen what zucker has been doing and we haven't seen this consistently enough for years to come because this is it's not a rental they're not just doing it for this it's it's a good contract for them for a few more years and they maybe just weren't sold on silverbird being at that same level it, it it's fairly similar i mean you know zucker had the one big season in 2017-18 where he had 33 goals and 64 points other than that, he had 21 goals the season after that, had 22 the season before it, had 21 back in 14 and 15, and then last year in, in only 45 games, he had 14 goals and 29 points. About on par, maybe a little bit better than what Silverberg's been doing. Uh, Silverberg had a 24 goal season last year, 17 before that, 23, 20, and then uh, well under 20 for his first three seasons in the league, but this year... You know, he's an all-star, 17 goals in 53 games, will definitely hit 20 this year, converge on 40 points. Like, the production is, is fairly similar. Both are former second-round picks. Silverberg's 29, Zucker's 28. I believe Silverberg makes less money than than Zucker does. So, like, there's not a huge difference. And, and it, it could just be that the Penguins like Jason Zucker more. Like, I, I can't dispute that. They're fairly similar. And maybe they wanted a left-wing left shot instead of a right-wing right shot. It could be that simple. Or maybe they liked to, you know, they want an American player. Who knows? Yeah. There's, there's a million different reasons that that could go I heard, into I heard it, also so. that Zucker is deceptively fast. And Pittsburgh likes to have that kind of quickness. That's why yeah. they kind of, they got the Haglands and, uh, you know, they they like that style of play a little bit. They, they like the quickness of it. And although Silverberg isn't slow by any stretch, he doesn't 
come across as fast. Uh, but a lot of people have actually said that Jason Zucker is, is deceptively fast. You don't really realize it until you're playing against him that he's a lot faster than that. Because I've never noticed it, but that's yeah. just what I had heard. And, and what goes into it, too, is is Minnesota and, and Jason Zucker over the last year and a half have had a great relationship. Um, you know, they're, The GM, I believe it was Fenton before... I don't even know who's the no, GM it's Garrett. now. It's Garrett no, now. It's Bill, Bill Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, there there was yeah. some bad blood between Fenton and Zucker, They tried to trade him. And they tried last to trade him at some point. In yeah, Calgary and, or something. And, and things went south. So maybe it was Zucker kind of pushing that. And, and, and maybe this all went down and, and Bob Murray had no idea it was going down. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Like I, Again, it just, it just felt like a deal that the Ducks could have got done and it would have helped them exponentially to get another first-round pick and a right-shot defenseman in the system. But it didn't happen, and, and and unfortunately, you know, it's not like it's over. The Ducks have plenty of time if they want to make some moves here, and you know, there there have been some analysts out there who who have kind of predicted some moves the Ducks could make. Uh, Andre Kasha, before the injury, Pierre LeBron mm-hmm. had said that you know, he put out a list of six trades that make a lot of sense. You know, preface this that there's no merit behind these. There's no rumors that this team is working on a deal with with this team. Uh, just an opinion piece. Yeah, it was an opinion piece. He just thought it makes sense. So he had put uh, Andre Kasha to the Boston Bruins in exchange for Oscar Steen in a 2023rd. Um, and and the, you know, the reason he said for this is because the Ducks were trying to trade Andre Kasha at the beginning of the year to the Blues, or not to the Blues, to the Hurricanes for, for Justin yeah. Falk, and that the Bruins are looking for some cheap options uh, to get some added goal scoring to their top nine. So it makes yeah. sense along those lines. I just, you know, I can't see why the Ducks would do this. And even if you don't know a lot about Oscar Steen, he, he's kind of a mid-level prospect, hasn't done anything spectacular. He's a guy who could maybe jump into your bottom six at some point in the NHL, and then the Ducks get a third-round pick. I, I can't see the the benefit or the, the motivation for the Ducks to do a deal like this for Andre Kasha unless you just aren't sure about his, you know, his health or you just don't think he's ever going to be a consistent 20-goal scorer. Like, honestly, I would rather take the bet that Andre Kasha could fulfill the potential that we think he has than to go out and get a prospect who's not that different than what the Ducks already have in their system and a third-round pick. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It feels like if you're... The only way that that would kind of make sense is if it was, like, at the draft and not necessarily at the trade deadline because then it's like, okay, you know, well, what's that third looking like like is there a guy that we think uh you know might get snatched up and we might miss out on him so we could use that third or something like that but yeah i mean to to get a guy who is probably not as dynamic you get a third and hope that turns into something down the road and he's just not getting enough for what we know we have you know going back the other way although kasha hasn't been all that stellar on the the actual board he's, he's still got the talent there and it's just you know if he can stay healthy is his biggest thing but you know, you know where I stand on his health. Yeah. I don't think uh, he's, he's yeah, long the, for this. The fact that we don't know if it's the flu or a concussion right now uh, kind of says it all of, of what we, how we feel about Andre Cash's health at this point. I, I still don't think it means that the Ducks should just take anything for him and, and move yeah. on. I, I think there's still a potential he comes back. Um, Elliot Friedman, in his latest 31 Thoughts, kind of shed some light on what the Ducks could do at the deadline. This is a quote from from that piece. He said, I don't think Anaheim is particularly interested in moving their key pieces from Josh Manson to Cam Fowler to Hampus Lindholm to Jakob Silberg to Ricard Raquel. 
you're really going to have to move the needle. Andre Cash is a possibility, and there are teams who like him, although he has missed two straight games. Now it's four straight games after being hit by Jake Muzzin. I can see contenders eyeing Derek Grant. He's had a strong year and doesn't come at an enormous cost. And then in that, there was also a quote from an NHL executive on the Ducks trading Josh Manson. He said, it's wishful thinking. If someone gives Bob Murray a crazy offer, he might do it, but I don't think he will. So it, it seems like not to contradict what Bob Murray said, where he, he's kind of fed up and he wants to do something big. It seems like he's not really particular interested in moving anybody unless he gets somebody to overpay which i don't think anybody really will do especially with the prices uh in the market right now like if blake coleman's getting a a, a former first round pick and and a first round pick in a deal for for a guy who's got 20 goals who's not you know consistently a 20 goal scorer and only has about 30 points like ricard raquel's the price on him right now has to be extremely high and mm-hmm. same for Jakob Silverberg, and, and same for a guy like Josh Manson as a right-shot defenseman. Like you would have to think if that's the price you're basing things off, and especially like what Andy Green got. Like Imagine what Josh Manson is going to get you right now at the deadline, and Silverberg and Raquel or Fowler, or like any of these guys. There just might not be teams who are willing to pay that, and, and Bob Murray might know that and be trying to get even more out of some of these teams. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the cat and mouse game. It's kind of watching the first domino fall and then seeing who's going to react. And some guys may overpay. Other people go, you know what, I, I like where we're at and I don't think we need to add any pieces and definitely not at the cost of the future. Usually it's the, the bigger teams that are in win-now mode that might overpay because they feel they can get that, that little bit of an edge that kind of helps them moving forward. But Josh Manson is... is it's hard for me to see them moving it one because Bob Murray doesn't like to get rid of defensemen in the first place, especially ones that he feels are top four defensemen. Um, also, a right-handed shot. If he's gone, um, that's Holzer that's left. Uh, there's, there's not on the IR. So good Branson on the IR and bring bringing up Gabranson, you know, and to a smaller extent Holzer. Uh, Josh Manson is a physical presence in front of the net. Now, I have not enjoyed Josh Manson the last two seasons. Uh, I still am not a big fan of what he's done this season. Um, But you take him away, you take Brunson out of it, there's almost no one who's really physical after that. And then that means that... Yeah, eventually, hopefully, have to get a guy that's going to be that way because you're going to need somebody in front that's going to be able to kind of push guys around and make life difficult. Otherwise, every line's going to have a fun time just running, running right through the crease, and they don't have much to worry about unless a forward's coming over to pound them. So, I don't feel like the Ducks have anything to replace Manson with. So it'd be really hard for them to want to get rid of him unless they were getting a huge overpayment. Yeah, it's it's almost like they would have to get a huge homer payment and then also be getting another right shot defenseman in return. And whether that's just kind of them eating kind of the salary on a bad contract or something to get another one of those guys in return, I feel like that's what they would have to do. I, I mean, the big rumor for a while was the Toronto Maple Leafs were interested in Josh Manson and, and they have guys like Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen who they'd be willing to move. Uh, you know, obviously, Janssen now is hurt for the next eight weeks, so he's no longer a trade piece. But, but even Kasper Kapanen w- was a guy that I just wasn't too interested in. Like He's pretty much what the Ducks already have in, in players like Troy Terry and, 
and you know Max Jones, and, and maybe he's a little bit more refined than those guys, but I see his potential pretty much just as the same as that. And you know the other thing is to kind of offset the loss of Josh Manson, the Ducks could eat the contract of Cody CC, which would help the Leafs bring back Josh Manson, and then have their pick of of one of their top prospects, whether it be Jeremy Bracco or Timothy Lilgren or or you know another guy that you know Nick Robinson, some of the some of the top prospects that the Leafs have in their system. But it, it just you know that deal has kind of been squashed now, and it just never felt like something that made sense for the Ducks to go out and do, and, and to give up Josh Manson for a type of forward they already have, a right shot defense prospect, yeah maybe, and then eating a contract uh, on a player who's should pretty much just the same, you know, another Eric Goodbranson in, in Cody Cece. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I don't know, like, even if, if Toronto won him, because, you know, oh, well, you know, he's definitely more defensive. Yeah, he's a right-handed shot, but it's like they have they have so many flaws on their defensive side, quite honestly. I mean, I, I would feel that if they thought Mansa was going to help fill that void or whatever's going on, well, yeah, uh, he was—he was not doing that here. He's not going to all of a sudden go over there and all of a sudden be your, you know, defensive savior yeah. and, and lock things down. You guys are still going to probably have the exact same problems. So well, the, the Leafs almost play a a more defensively exposed game than the Ducks do. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Leafs oh, yeah. just can outscore their problems. And you know, yeah. look look at how much Freddie's numbers have taken a hit this year. Like the Leafs just do not play defense. And to, yeah, where's that a goal? And that's yeah. why Freddie keeps getting injured. To think that Josh Manson could go there and one make this team infinitely better, and, and all of a sudden you know have a better year than he's having here. Like, I don't think it's going to change. He's he's going to be exposed just as much as he's being exposed here for for a not so great you know defense in front of him. Uh, and, and like I said, I'd argue the Leafs play more, like poorly. Um, more poorly than the Ducks do when it comes to team defense. Like, they just aren't a structured team. They have a lot of guys who don't care to get back. You know, when you when you have a lot of young guys like Matthews and Marner and Nylander who feel like they can outscore their problems, you've got some issues there. And, and yeah. you know, not to say that Josh Manson couldn't go and, and do well there. I just don't think it, it's, it's a deal that makes a lot of sense for the Ducks to go out and try and pursue. Yeah. Um, Brad brings up a, a great quote from the article I, I was just about to reference here. Uh, the NHL, the Athletic had like an NHL agents poll. Mm-hmm. Where they asked a question, um, kind of which GM do you find most unreasonable to deal with? And uh, of course, Bob Murray won. Yeah, he was. He was <laughs> about like one. <laughs> he led with four votes. Doug Armstrong of the Blues was second with three votes, and that could be recency bias with with the Blues making a hard push on a lot of guys. Uh, near the deadline last year to make their make their rush, uh, but one of the uh, the agents said, "Your wife doesn't love you as much as Bob Murray loves Josh Manson." Josh Manson. <laughs> I feel like that is a hundred percent true. Uh, Josh Manson again, like we said, Nick Deloria is a Bob Murray type player. Josh Manson is a Bob Murray type player to a T. Like he <laughs> plays for a big guy, yeah, grit and sandpaper, uh, a, a reliable guy, a captain-like material to to some extent. Like this is yeah. Josh Manson is a Bob Murray type player, and whether that's you know a, a good thing or a bad thing for the Ducks, it, it it just he does not seem like the type of guy he will ever move unless you're basically paying double of what this guy's mm-hmm. worth. Like it just doesn't seem like it's gonna happen. 
Yeah, and you know, that's that's probably the right approach. So I mean, I, I don't mind it. And you know, as far as the uh, the NHL agent polls, I I kind of find it hilarious. It's like, well, yeah, of course they're not going to like a guy who's trying really hard to sign guys at a bargain. Yeah. And you know, you know, and he'll pull all the stops he can because hey, we've always been a budget team. We're trying to stay under the cap. That sort of is trying not to make the same mistakes he has in the past. So I almost. I view it more as a compliment where everyone else is looking as like, oh, he's just so difficult to deal with. He's like, yeah, he's trying to get like the the friendliest contract for the team so that there's room to maybe make more moves if the team is at that point. Team's not at that point this year or last year, so no moves ever came from it. But it gives him that flexibility, and he's I think he's done a good yeah. job on a lot of those signings. Your Gibsons, your Raquels, your uh, Silverbergs, those those are good signings that really kind of help us out. So. I would take it more as a feather in the cap. He's, he's a tough son of a bitch to negotiate with, but he gets the players that you know he he feels he, he can get, and then every now and again he signs Dan Heatley. Yeah, it depends so. on whose agents they're they're interviewing here. Because if this if this is Ricard Raquel's agent, um, and and John Gibson's agent, and and uh, you know Nick Ritchie's agent, when you look at the team friendly deals those guys are on. Uh, you could, I could feel like they'd be a bit bitter with Bob yeah. Murray for for you know where are those players, especially Ricard Raquel, making less than three and a half million dollars right now for the next couple of years. Uh, you you know that guy is worth more, and um, Bob Murray just locked him down at the right time, and then obviously Raquel has those back to back thirty goal seasons after that, and uh, you know I don't think he's I don't think he's bitter personally or upset, but. Uh, it, yeah, it, well, it's... I don't think it's the players. The players, I don't think, are bitter about it because no, they're the ones no, no, that say, no. "Yeah, let's do it, whatever." It's it's the agents that go like, "That guy's really tough." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, it's just like that, it's one of those <laughs> those perfect timing signings with Ricardo Raquel, where yeah. you kind of know this guy is gonna break out at some point, and it just so happens he does have his breakout year and has thirty goals. The like the year after you sign him to a a what is a now a team friendly deal at the time. I don't think we argued that that was a team friendly, or even had the notion that it was a team friendly deal. Or it seemed or, about appropriate. Yeah, it seemed about appropriate for his production, and then breaks out and has two thirty back to back thirty goal seasons, and it looks like a like a steal because it was. But it, it at the time, I don't think you know, I'd have to go back, but I don't think any of us thought it was an, an outright steal of a contract at the time. You know, you could maybe project forward and say, like, if he fulfills his potential, then it, it can be a good contract down the road because of the length of it. But, uh, you know, it turns out now that it's one of the, the better contracts in the league, despite Ricard Raquel not getting back uh, to that same form. Um, to, to wrap up some of this trade deadline talk, because, like I said, we're, we're, nearing, uh, we're nearing in now on, on the trade deadline. Do you think Bob Murray does anything? Do you think anybody gets moved, you know, whether it be a big deal, small deal, anything like that? Um, you know, it's, I don't think he's actively shopping, so I don't feel like he's, he's putting himself out there. He'll listen to calls. And so it just depends where the interest is around the league for what they have. Uh, it's, it's unusual for him to even come out and say, this is our strategy. We'll take on bad contracts. If you're, if you can part with, you know, a prospect and maybe some draft picks, usually he's, he's not a guy kind of tells you what he wants or tips his hand that publicly. So that's already kind of an interesting, you know, take on how this uh, you know, trade trade deadline goes. But the Ducks are notoriously 
you know, quiet when it comes to trade deadline or around that time. Usually they, they make their moves a little bit earlier, months usually, before we get to that trade deadline, uh, just because Bob Murray just doesn't like that last bit. But we've also been that team that's looking to add at the trade yeah. The team that's looking to deal or you know offload people, so um, yeah, kind of new new territory, new uncharted water. So it's kind of hard to predict. But um, if it goes the way it always has, I, I assume it'll be another quiet one, maybe something real minor. But yeah, I don't I guess at this point. <laughs> we've got to be close to a year on the Montour trade now, right? Like when? To... Yeah, it's a little it's a little past the year. I think you did that. You did that like uh, November or January of. Uh, last year, he was no, Brendan Montu was traded on February twenty fourth. Like I said, about a year. About a year. So we're we're getting close. <laughs> he's almost yes. he's almost there, um, and maybe we're leading up until to that another big deal by Bob Murray. Like it, it feels like it's possible, and, yeah. and you know we didn't think Brendan Montu was going to get moved last year, but we thought something of that level was going to happen. I, I definitely did not think it was going to be Brandon Montour, but you know that's the guy who ends up getting moved. I feel like it's still possible that something like that happens. Whether and it might be a guy we don't expect again. You know, maybe it's a Ricard Raquel, which I, I wouldn't advocate. But you never know with Bob Murray. Like he always has something up his sleeve, and I think if he can get a good deal for a player like Ricard Raquel, I, I think the interest would be extremely high. You look at a lot of these teams that are trying to compete that are right up against the cap. I, th- I would feel like if Bob Murray has made Ricard Raquel available, you would have to assume he's at the top of many of those lists just because of the salary oh, yeah. and the term and, and the fact that Ricard Raquel has been a, a two-time 30-goal scorer and you put him with the right player, and there'll be a lot of teams who say, you know, maybe, maybe this guy just needs a change of scenery, and if he plays with my guys, then he'll get back to being that player. Like He seems like the ultimate you know, low-risk, high-reward type move. Like You're not paying too much for him in terms of salary, and uh, but but the price in him would have to be extremely high, like yeah, you, you would you would think like at least a first round pick, a high end prospect plus, because Blake Coleman just got a first round pick in in a <laughs> in a, uh, a high end prospect, right? So Ricardo Ricard would have to get more than that. Yeah, I would assume so, and especially with the Ducks, they'll definitely know that value that they're that they're parting with, um, given the contract and. You know, his uh, he's already shown the potential, and he still has even more potential because he was still doing those thirty goal seasons under a, a bad system. And now, you know, it's not exactly clicking on all cylinders this year. Um, but you know, it's a little maybe a work in progress. It's a different coaching style, and uh, it just needs another season to ferment. But um, you know, the Ducks would have to go like, all right, Raquel has been in our long term plan. So if we're getting rid of someone that's in our long term plans. We better have substantial stuff that comes behind it that that kind of accelerates what we're trying to do overall because it, we're we're trading a, a very big asset for our plans as a franchise, so it'd have to be significant. I it, it, yeah, I, I would think so, especially with the prices we've seen so far. Dave said, "How about David Backus, a first round in this year and a first round in next year from the Bruins for Raquel?" <laughs> Uh, I I would say I'd have to say no because I, uh, taking on David Backus at this point means the Bruins have to give up more, more for you taking on that term and that salary, and, and you think so for two uh, firsts, yeah, two firsts uh, essentially for Ricard Raquel and cap freedom. You they would have to give up more because again I keep referring to this because it's really the only big trade we've had so far in the Blake Coleman deal. Like 
Nolan Foote is essentially a first-round pick, and then they get another first-round pick. If that's what the cost is for a decent player who's performing pretty well, you know, then you have a proven guy. Yeah, then you have a proven guy at a great contract, and then you're taking on a David Backus salary. You would have to think that you would have to add uh, another high-end prospect at least to that deal. Uh, yeah. And then maybe, a, you know, I, I don't think if you've already got two picks in there, you can add another pick. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, a, you know, a high-end prospect and a third added on to that to, to get value there. Uh, if you take out David Backus, then maybe it's just a first, a high prospect, and a third or a second, and, and maybe that gets it done. But, yeah, it, it, it's... I wonder if Dave's thinking that we would do it and get Backus and then have Backus play. Well, I mean, I think the Ducks would have Bacchus play. I think he anywhere he anywhere he he goes, I think he'd want to play. I mean, he he reported to Providence, but didn't. Or sorry, he got assigned to Providence, but the Bruins told him not to go. Yeah, they, they both they don't said want that. him playing down there. Yeah, they probably don't want, want him play. to get injured. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. they don't want him to play down there, so he gets injured, and so they can still trade him. And he doesn't want to play down there because it's the AHL, and, and I think I think he's still a good hockey player. He's just not worth like the six million dollars that he's getting paid, and and that's yeah. you know the tail end of the really bad contract term and, and value that guys were getting when David Backus mm-hmm. signed his contract. It was like seven years at six million dollars. So it, it just yeah. wasn't. There was no way it was going to be good worth at the it time, the but end. not at the end of the career, yeah. and especially and with his injuries. And stuff. That's what you're seeing with a lot of guys now is, is those last two or three years of the contract are just detriments yep. to a lot of the teams that they're on. So um, I, I think the Ducks do something, whether it's a big move or a small move. I don't know. You know, It could be a Derek Grant, Michael Delzato type move. It could be an Andre Kasher, Ricard Raquel, Josh Manson type move. I, I think something gets done. I think Bob Murray has to do something. Like he... You have to sell something, the position you're in. You, you can't just ride out there. And whether it's just the UFAs that you you trade you know, or, the, or the RFAs, like if you try and trade a Devin Shore just to get some assets back because he hasn't been playing much, just do something. Like it just you got to do something to get some assets. Yeah, get something for Sprong, Sprong or something. Yeah. I, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, I, I think what Bob Murray's selling it on, and by selling it, it's selling it to the fans but also to ownership, is that – Hey, this is you know this is our retooling. We got a brand new coach in there. A lot of young players. We hope they do a little bit better, but it takes him a little while. And so he's going to try negotiate that as to hey, we're not going to just knee jerk reaction because hey, we didn't just blow up you know everyone out of the water and uh, overreach expectations. I think he had a an idea that this season could potentially get them to the playoffs, but it could also be right where we're at. And for him. Listen, he was saying, listen, it's this is where it's at right now. This is where we are as a franchise, and we're not going to do anything drastic and put us even further behind trying to hopefully get younger players to try and jump into this whole new system, and hopefully it all kind of works. He wants, he knows kind of what he's got, and so I, I feel, I kind of feel opposite of what you do. I, I don't think he does anything. I think he just does his normal mode of operation unless something comes out that's substantial for him. So I was just like, here it is. I need, I need what you got here whatever your yeah. price is I'll at, at the at the bare minimum he has to move out the ufas and rfas to contending teams like he did last year like move the dells auto out move daniel yeah. sprong out move devon shore out you know move these guys out who you're going to lose nothing you know, lose for nothing yeah. at the end of the year yeah. and you're you know you might as well get assets for him you're not a good team you're not going to make the playoffs like 
least at the very least move those guys out and get something for them especially mm-hmm. Derek Grant who's playing well especially Michael Delzato who, who's probably playing above what you expected from like those are guys you can get assets I for. think I think Derek Grant's get gets extended I mean, he could he, he very well could I mean they, they did it with Nick Deloria which we can move into right now the Ducks signed Nick Deloria to a two-year extension uh, for one million dollars um you know, I don't think he had any trade value like Derek Grant has trade value with 14 goals. Uh, but it's it's a signing that made sense. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to dispute that. I, I think he's playing better than we expected. I ripped on the signing a bit uh, for good reason. I don't th- I still don't think it made sense. But it gave the Ducks something they were missing and a guy mm-hmm. who could fight. I think Nick Delore is close to leading the league in fights this year. Um, you know, that's that's his role. There's, there's no question about it. He is the fighter on this team. I just felt like, you know, I, I still, and I want to preface it with this. I, I think every team needs a guy like this. You know, you look at Edmonton with Zach Cassian. Like, they're, I think every team needs a guy like this. Like, a guy who can play on the edge, who can who can defend your team, who can fight, who can who can get the guys Ryan, Ryan Reeves on, on Vegas. Yeah, you know? but I, I just think the Ducks had other guys who could do that. Like, I think Max Jones, if he committed to it, he could do that. And he's a lot better player than Nick Deloria. I think Nick Ritchie could be that guy. But he spends too much time in the penalty box, as is for minor penalties. I I just felt like the Ducks had that guy, and this feels like a typical Bob Murray signing where he loves to sign these guys. And again, I'm not saying Nick Deloria hasn't been good and hasn't played better than I expected of him. But it, it's just you're looking at some of the young guys who come into the lineup next year, you know, with with Trevor Zegras, we would hope would would be up here. A few of the guys playing in San Diego as well. Like, it just feels like an unnecessary roster spot to give up for the next two years. And and it doesn't mean they have to play Nick Deloria. I just, I'm just not super happy about it. I don't hate it. I'm just not super happy about it. I love it. Uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe I won't say love. I like it. Um, you know, it's. It's fine. You you are going to have to have those plays. You're not going to have four lines. And I would hope when Zigris is up with the club, we're not playing him fourth line and we're not making him play fourth line minutes. I think same thing with the, your Nick Ritchies and your Max Jones. I think they want them to do more offensive because they are more offensively gifted. Um, to put them on the fourth line and diminish their ability or their their time to maybe make plays happen and then force them into maybe more of a, hey, not only i got to hit, I've got to try and stand up and fight, i got to do that. It's like, don't do that. Just just have someone like Deloria who rarely loses fights, will always fight and kind of you know follows that code a little bit, but he's not a detriment to that line. I mean, if he can yeah. go and he's running and Grant's having a great season, I mean, if he was pulling down Derek Grant or, or Rowney or anything like like that with his play or being slow or not you know hustling or anything like that but he, he's checking off all the little things and for a million dollars for two more years uh, being on the most consistent line i i like that you know you're getting honestly i was just i thought same thing he's just gonna fight you know and hopefully he's not too bad but he's actually made that line better in my opinion i think they all work well together and they all have that energy, and they kind of feed off each other. So it's like it's not like he's fumbling passes or he can't get it to, to guys open. He knows to get it to the other guys. They're going to have more offensive gift, but he's going to go in there, and he's going to hit some bodies. He's going to make some noise, and you know he'll answer 
you know, make other people answer if they start taking liberty. So I, I absolutely like where he is and what he does for our team. And it's, you yeah, know, it's not long term or anything. Operation brings up in our chat too. Like it's only $1 million a year. If you really need to, it's a healthy scratch contract. Like it's not like, you know, if you're going to press box him a million dollars, it's not going to hurt you too much. Um, and, and he could, he could become one of those guys who is purely situational, right? Like depending on the team you're facing, are you going against a heavier team? You play Nick Deloria. Like the Ducks have done that. In you the gotta past. go play against the Kings. You want to yeah, have Nick Deloria. Exactly. In there. Like like he yeah. I, and I'd be fine to have him as that guy. I mean, maybe you know, I I don't want him in there every night, but I I do like him as an option to have. I think that he is a valuable player to have in, in certain occasions where you need a guy like that. Like you know, if you know there's going to be a fight tonight, you want Nick Deloria in the lineup because he'll probably yeah. win it or he'll at least go out there and make a show of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're not forcing somebody else that you need in the lineup to fight because you've got a guy like Nick Deloria who will fight. So I'm, I, you know, I, I can understand him being in there and, and I like his chemistry with Derek Grant and, and Carter Rowney and I can see that being a valuable fourth line for the Ducks going forward. I just think the Ducks need another guy, and they have a, you know Kiefer Sherwood and guys like that, that they can plug in for games where they don't necessarily need him. I think that's sure. all. I'm, that's, the, that's the only thing I have. I would say this. that, yeah, like Kiefer Sherwood, he, he's a fourth-line guy that I'd like to see play a little bit more. But, um, yeah, just, just once again, I just I feel like Delorier hasn't been so negative that when we're looking for someone's got to get on that fourth line to really kind of help that line out because that line's doing – better than i would have thought this year so if it's yeah. if it's working hey just keep it going and you know if it eventually stops working at some point then yeah you, you, you scratch him and you bring someone else in or you try and drop him through waivers maybe someone claims him it's it's no no love yeah. loss on that yeah i'm not gonna sit here and, and complain about a million dollars like it's it's <laughs> it, it's just the same level of um i don't want to say disbelief but just this the same level of criticism i had when they signed him in the first place you know mm. we all kind of sat here and said why like that was, and, and I guess I'm a little bit less uh, on that train as I as I was when he first got signed because we've seen what he can do and, and the value he can provide to the team this year, and how much he's committed to this team despite them being bad. So you you kind of you know he's one of those guys that everybody loves. Like fans love yeah. a guy like that who works hard every night, goes out there, mm-hmm. gets in a, a ton of fights, and 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 just plays for the team. You know the, the the guys in the locker room love that. The fans love that. Obviously, Bob Murray loves that. So to bring a guy like that back, you can't complain, especially when it's only one million dollars a year. And if he starts playing like shit, just put him in the press box. Like like it's a million dollars. It's it's not uh, the end of the world. Yeah, and to your point, everyone loving him, fans included. They you know when they played Montreal in Montreal, there was his first game. They had a nice little tribute to him. Fans you know know him, like him, that sort of deal. So. You know, those types of guys, it's, it's good to kind of keep on there. Same thing with, like, Grant. You don't quite know why, but for us Ducks fans, everyone loves yeah. Derek Grant, and we just absolutely love it. It's not, it's not going to blow up the world, the NHL or anything, although he's having a good season. It's just like, you know, it's just that guy. He just he works hard. He does well, and you you enjoy him. So I think he's, he's on that same level. Uh, last thing we'll level. follow up here with is <laughs> speaking of players we enjoy, and, and this this. Uh, Ducks player would be at the top of most people's list. It's Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, Eric Stevens had an article uh, recently. I guess I say recently. It's probably about a couple weeks ago now. Uh, but he chatted with Ryan Getzlaff about the possibility of him going somewhere else and chasing a cup with another team. Uh, and these were some of the quotes he, he had. Uh, he said, honestly, I have no desire to try and chase a cup somewhere else. 
I'd love to bring it back to Anaheim here before I retire. It'd be awesome. Again, I can't predict the future and what's going to unfold here and what we're going to do. If I, if he, if he and Bob Murray, he's referring to here, ever felt that he needed to do something to move me, then he could come talk to me and we'd work through it. So he, he just, I mean, this is typical. It's what we, we know from Ryan Getzlaff. He's saying, you know, similar to what Perry said, if, if they want to move me, I'll do what's best for the team. And, mm-hmm. and we'll work something out and, and we'll figure something out. But I don't want to go anywhere. You know, I, yeah. it, I, I would, I've won my cup. If I'm going to win another cup, I want it to be here in Anaheim. And, and that's honestly what we want to hear from Ryan Getzlaff and what we expect to hear from Ryan Getzlaff, right? Like, he, he's not going to go anywhere. He has nothing left to prove. He's got a family mm-hmm. here. He's been here for his entire mm-hmm. career. Like, this is a guy who wants to retire as a duck. And I fully believe Corey Perry felt the same way. You look mm-hmm. at that interview when he came back here, when he was suspended, when Dallas was here. Like, he was in tears because he was yeah. talking about reminiscing about, you know, walking down the hallway and, and being in the locker room and not being able to go into the home locker room this time. He had to go to the away locker room. Like, Ryan Getzlaff is is in the same boat as Corey Perry, if not even more connected to this team because of being the captain and being the face of the franchise for, for the last, you know, decade plus. So... Um, yeah, he's not going anywhere. There, there's no chance. And I don't think Bob Murray asked them. Like, you know, they had to move Coy for a variety of different reasons. They yeah. needed some salary cap relief. He wasn't playing well. It, yeah. it felt like it was just going to happen. But Ryan Getzloff is still playing well. He's the captain of this team. Like, there's just, there's, in my opinion, zero chance that Bob Murray ever yeah, comes yeah. up to him and says, yeah, man, you're, we got to get, we got to get rid of you. <laughs> he's he's got a golden ticket um, yeah, straight to uh, Jersey retirement. So uh, yeah, this this guy's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go. He's always kind of said that. He he takes pride in the fact that he's only been with one team. Um, he goes, it does not happen that often, and I'm proud to be able to to say if someone's proud like he is of that fact. There's really no desire for him to go. And uh, I remember seeing <laughs> those. Uh, and if any of you go and you're on Facebook or anything like that, and you see something from NHL trade rumors, <laughs> oh, yeah. they they were laying in like ducks looking to move Getzloff. I'm all, <laughs> I was like, I was like, it was clickbait to the max. Yeah. But people started like commenting. It was like, no, this can't happen. Oh, I will burn my jersey if this happens. I'm like, people, hey, it's, it's NHL trade rumors. The only time they get it right is when they post something that happened two days ago, like that already happened. Then they post it. Anything that hasn't happened, they are just making people panic but uh you know and i ended up having to like i got stuck and i got in that conversation of people was like he's not going anywhere he doesn't want to he just he loves it here this fits his style his personality laid back and you know he's woven into the community as well so i mean there's just no real way the ducks would do it i don't i don't see like i said bob murray is probably on strict instructions do not do it unless we are getting McDavid or something or just something beyond yeah. crazy and then at that point you could go up to say hey listen we're getting, we're getting McDavid I mean I, I have no doubt there would be some interest in, in Ryan Getzlaff if the Ducks were going to eat some salary uh, I think there would be tons of teams who'd be interested in him as a, as a second line center because of the quality of play he still has right like he's still a very good player uh, and and he's still one of the best players in the ducks and and, and one of the best passers in the league and you shelter him in, in a successful team and i think he would do really well but there is no chance in hell that that he moves and unless bob murray comes to him like you said and says hey man like 
we have an offer that we just can't refuse. Um, I, I don't think there's ever a situation like Corey Perry where they go to buy him out. There's there's no point. There's no need salary cap wise to go do that. You don't want to hit yourself with two uh, of those buyout hits with, with Perry and Getzlaff. Um, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe the discussion where it gets difficult is, is when his contract is up and, and you have the discussion of re-signing him, what that becomes at that point. Because if he's still productive, you know, what do you do? Do you do the Joe Thornton $7 million for one year? Or do you go a different route and you do less for a couple more years, right? Like, that's that's where I could see it get a bit difficult. But, you know, the relationship that Bob Murray and Getzlaff have, I think that conversation will be pretty, too, pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, too strong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah it, it will be. And, you know, um, you know and Getzlaff even says he's not going to play into his 40s. I mean, that, that only gives him maybe a couple more years. I don't think he's out chasing dollars. So and yeah. he'll, he'll try and get something. Once again, that's probably going to be more of a home discount. You know, you know, there's fair market value for what he does. He'll probably come in less with that. That helps the team out. And at this point, he's already accepted that transitioning role into I'm going to go down in that center depth chart, but I'm still good enough and I can teach the guys coming in so that they are better prepared to try and do what I've been able to accomplish and have that longevity in the league. So, you know, he's he's team player. Through and through, loves the organization, fans, the ownership, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, and even then, I think even if there was something overwhelming, Bob Murray still wouldn't make it unless he got Getzloff saying yes. This, he doesn't have to say right. yes anyway. Yeah, to, that's true. But I would say like out of common courtesy, like yeah. even if he didn't have to, it's like, listen, you don't have a no trade, but we have this offer, but we're not going to make it if you're if you right. say no. You, you yeah. get you get that opportunity. You look at these comments, and, and you know you know, and, and you don't even have to look at these to know this. But Getzlaff will do anything to make this team better, and and yeah. to to help this team move in the right direction for the future. Uh, and like you said, I you know summed up perfectly. I don't think he's a guy who's going to get stuck on money. I think when it comes down to a contract discussion, he'll say, you know, like Bob Murray, what what can you guys do? Like what what do you, what can you do? for my contract that works for the team and puts you guys in the best position. If it's five million, it's five million. If it's three, it's one million. Three. If it's one, it's one. <laughs> like I don't think Ryan Getzlaff's gonna get too caught up on that. You know, he he's in I his mind there's no like, hey listen, we're gonna pay you the same as uh good old Nick Deloria yeah, over here. And, <laughs> and that comes into into Bob Murray's approach, I think. Uh but honestly I don't think Getzlaff gets too caught up, and then maybe he gets offended if you come to him with one million to start. Um, <laughs> but if there was a good explanation behind that, say you know, you know, man, we're we're trying to go after this guy in free agency, and we need six million dollars to go after this guy. That leaves us one for you, and leaves us to give us about one of, of space. Man, you could uh, you could spin it in a million different ways. We don't know how it's going to yeah. go, but he doesn't seem like a guy who'd get caught up too much on on money and, and like you said mentoring the young guys operation brings up in the chat like Getzlaff is a, kind of the perfect mentor for Trevor Zegris you know a guy to be around one of the best passers in the league Zegris is slated yeah. as, as one of the you know premier passing talents to come into the league for, for the last little bit here it, it just kind of makes sense for Getzlaff mm-hmm. to be that guy to mentor Zegris in the first few years of his career and, and, and honestly that could 
benefit him immensely. It, it, if Getzlaff has you know the last two years of his contract here and whatever he has after that to kind of be around and be that uh, mentor and that leader presence for, for, for Trevor Zegers, it could be invaluable. So I, I think Getzlaff wants to do that too. I think he wants to be that guy for these young guys, and, and he wants to set the Ducks up in the best possible way for them to succeed when, when he's no longer playing anymore. Yeah. It's all good things. Uh, we we are absolutely fortunate that we've got him <laughs> when we did and for as long as we have. And, and when he's done, uh, e- easy uh, easy Hall of Fame for me, easy jersey retirement, like uh, everything. Uh, he'll get it all. There, there's no yep. question about it. He's going into the Hall. Uh, his number's going up there with uh, – with Scotty and and uh, Timu and Paul, like it's yeah. it's uh, it's a it's a given, and and then I think Perry eventually gets there, but there's no there's no question with Getzlaff. It, it's uh, it's an easy one there. Uh, hopefully, yeah. he he gets to be around if the Ducks bring a cup in in the next uh, three or four years here. I, I don't know if that's I don't yeah. know if that's gonna happen, but uh, hopefully, we'll crazier nice. things have happened. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him get uh, you know a send off like that where. Mm-hmm wins the cup in his last year and says, all right, guys. Kind of like that Tammy Solani fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, guys, I'm done. That's it. Uh, I'm not coming back, right? So, yeah. um, all right, well, that's it. That's it for the show. We're glad we uh, were able to get back here. We've been missing the show. Um, you know, we're, again, we, we apologize to you guys who, who listen to the show on a regular basis. And even anybody who just started listening to the show, uh, we kind of disappeared. For yeah. for almost a month there, a lot of a lot of different things going not, on. Not by choice. Yeah. No, no, it's... for sure. Uh, we've we've tried to schedule a show here and there, uh, you know, pretty much since the beginning of February. But we've had different things in, in our personal lives that have come up, and then, like I said, uh, you know, I've been sick for the last two and a half weeks, which uh, has has been really tough for for us to schedule shows because usually with the three of us, if one of us is down. There's a cover yeah, there, good. but when one of yeah. us is down for two and a half weeks, if, if one thing comes up in somebody else's life, it we can't record a show. So yeah, so uh, back off. <laughs> no, yeah, but that was aggressive. <laughs> for real, we we appreciate you guys coming out here, uh, back on the live show, and anybody listening uh, to this after the fact for sticking around. Uh, we're we're planning on being back more often now that now that I'm back, and hopefully Pat's back. Uh, soon hopefully he's not out for two and a half weeks and, and he can get on yeah. one of these shows yeah. heading up because uh, it's ramping up to be busy you know we expect the yeah. ducks to do something at the trade deadline coming up nonetheless we'll we'll have trade deadline stuff just to talk about anyway and the ducks are heading into to the final quarter of their season here so it'll be uh, interesting to see how how the last little bit goes here but we'll be around uh we should hopefully be recording a show sometime midweek coming up here depending on the on the ducks games uh, and the news that comes out to cover the next couple games uh, and then hopefully back on to that regular schedule of around uh, you know around Wednesday Sunday depending on uh, depending on ducks games but uh yeah, yeah. Stay tuned on social media. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back a lot more often here. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks again, guys, for for sticking it out and, and coming back to the show. Glad to be back. All right, take care, guys. We'll see you uh, midweek next week. Bye, guys.